1: A place of your own, in your name. A place where all your stuff is. Where there's a dinner table and a family around it. Virginia Housing makes it possible for thousands across the Commonwealth with our special homeownership programs, including loans, grants, and free classes. Because when we help people buy homes, their communities thrive. Click to learn more about Virginia Housing and see how home helps everyone.
2: Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I am joined by Amanda Loudon. Hello, Amanda. Hi. How are you? Good. Good. It's been a little while since we've talked. What uh? What are you working? What are you working on?
3: You know, the same thing I was working on probably last time we talked. <laughs> 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 Which is to say, I have a very, very big piece coming out. Hopefully. Oh my goodness! Every time I say this, it's I'm wrong, but I keep thinking, oh, it'll be another week or two. Um, it's just, it's a very big piece, um, for for Outside Magazine and it's, um, it gets into some sensitive issues. And so, you know, we, we've, we've got the legal department involved and all these different things. And so just, I'm so excited, so excited for this piece to come out, but, um, it's been a long, it's been a long haul.
2: Wow. That's so so exciting. Now you've written for Outside before or no?
3: I have. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I just did a piece um, actually during the Olympics about um, uh, the, the speed skaters kind of focusing on Erin uh, Jackson. She was the first African-American long track speed skater. Oh, OK. Nice. Um, yeah. And um, I don't know if many people know, um, but many of the current Olympians and many of the um, Olympic speed skaters over the past few Olympics come from a background in inline speed skating.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. So, yeah.
3: So I kind of talked about that and about how they've, you know, um, how the, the impact of those skaters and also the the, the um, full on press, I guess, to recruit those skaters over to ice oh, um, uh-huh. and the difference it's making in the program. So um, and a little known fact is that I actually used to race on inline skates as well. So you did not. I did, so that's where the interest comes from.
2: <laughs> oh my gosh, Amanda! <laughs> oh my god, we can use that for you know, uh, what is it? One truth and two lies, or what's that game yes, called? <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Like, what are we talking? Because I, when you were saying talking about people inline skating, I thought, oh, no one does that anymore. Come right, on. No,
3: no. But the, the, the speed skating element of it lives on. It's not as big as it was, say, 20 years ago. But, uh, you know, it, it's wearing the same boots that you see on ice. And then they have, instead of a blade, they have um, either four very large or five wheels compared to those recreational skates that we're all used to. And they do, on the road, they do things like 10Ks, marathons, ultra marathons. I did 100K in Central Park oh, one year. Oh, um, my gosh. And, and it's a team sport too. So it's much like cycling, you draft, you take turns, all of that kind of thing. So, um, you got some, so, ba- you got some balls
2: girlfriend. Cause it is, I mean, isn't there kind of, there's some checking and like, I mean, oh, yeah. you know, oh, elbows yeah. thrown exactly. and things like that.
3: Yeah. Especially when you do the indoor version of it, which is, you know, equivalent to what you see on, on the Olympics with the short track. Um, and that I was, you know, like I was not, I was always better at the longer distances than uh-huh. like, the 500-meter sprints, I mean, I just didn't have the balls to, like, go, you know, balls to the walls, cut in front of people, pass people, you know, I mean, it's so, yeah.
2: <laughs> At some point during the Olympics when we were watching Short Track, I said to my husband at almost the exact same time, same time that he said it back to me, that I was like, I would hate this sport as he's saying <laughs> you would hate this sport <laughs> just, the, just the close proximity and just my yeah. gosh everything can
3: turn on a dime absolutely I mean so many times I felt so bad for some of those athletes because you know they're there to the last second and then someone oh. takes them out oh my know? gosh
2: particularly when those uh when the one South Korean woman took out her yes. teammate Oh, my gosh. And all you thought, there they are in South Korea. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Your family just got evicted from that posh apartment that they got for free when you made the Olympic team. (laughs) 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 Oh, my gosh. And then I heard the piece on NPR that talked, and I thought of you when they talked about how huge short track speed skating is in the Maryland area around D.C. That was fascinating. I I find it very fascinating. The uh, Regional differences in sports like what why one sport really takes hold in one part of the country you know
3: well speaking for here I mean we have an enormous Korean population oh um, and so I think that's why oh that's fascinating
2: Uh yeah yeah so wow yeah Yeah, oh wow 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 wow. so well my I have mad mad crazy props for to you Amanda cuz you that is that is an impressive array of skills and determination and just <laughs> sure sure moxie woman moxie
3: I don't think I have it anymore but 20 years ago younger <laughs> are naive age time you
2: know time of my life, so <laughs> oh my goodness well uh um you know it's not quite the same thing but you know I stepped outside my comfort zone last evening um <laughs> <laughs> not ath- not athletically but i went to um uh, see betty who who i saw in concert last year and i love her so much um you know who you
3: know who she is
2: oh yeah, well, i know not i mean i'm not sure i've met anyone who knows who she is but um so she's
3: you know who she
2: is? okay so she's an australian singer and but she studied here in the states at a very very prestigious um music school boarding school in Michigan that uh um Jonna Bass Parr our former Jonna Bass our um who used to work for AMR she went there for um viola and um, so anyway they did not cross paths but that's how I know that's why I was like oh interlocking that's fascinating so anyway so Betty who is six feet tall like just she is a glamazon and she just rocks on stage she dances so well and she has really hot backup dancers and oh my gosh there's just so much energy and she smiles the whole time and she just obviously loves what she's doing i she just plays really dance upbeat music with nice message and you know very accepting and welcoming and uh It was just fast, just fabulous. So, um, anyway, so I the show. I it's a venue that's really close to our house. It's like like a mile and a quarter from our house. So I didn't leave the house until. I don't know, nine, a little after nine. Wow. And yeah, I know. I was like, okay, you can do this, Sarah. Like, just keep working. Like, that was my thing. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, make some notes about how to work an expo for AMR, you know, for our ambassadors, right. that type of thing. So, um, so anyway, so head on over there, and I had, um, Last time I went with um, my, the woman who teaches bar, um, the, the class that I take, and this time I'm like, you know what? Like, I can't find anybody know who knows who she is, and I just want to go and enjoy it. So I got my ticket just for myself. It's general admission. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know. Can I do this? Can I go to a concert by myself? So I was like, oh, I know a young person I can ask. So the next time Alex, our producer, showed up to uh, work on the show, I was like, Alex, I, I'm going to a, t- a concert by myself. What do you think of that? And it looked to me like I had said, like, "Oh, I'm thinking about crossing the street in the crosswalk. Is that okay?" <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> so, so, Alex, why do you think it's like you didn't even flinch? Like, I'm just a big fan of like going stuff by yourself, like because then it's like like you got to a movie by yourself, right? For sure, yeah. And it's, I've eaten dinner by myself. It's a great restaurant. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah, best. it is. So, if, imagine <laughs> a concert. Like, as soon as you're like, I feel like I'm standing too close, or I would rather be back there, you just go back there. Yeah, you, you can dance, you can move around however you want. Uh-huh. Leave whenever you want. Yep. I'm tired. I'm leaving right now. <laughs> it's, great. it's dark. No one can see you. It is true. It is true. And, and Amanda, uh, this is something I don't think Alex can relate to. But do you feel like you've reached a point in your life where you're invisible to the majority of people?
3: Yeah, I think I I, I totally can relate to that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That, that It was the first time Molly and I ever noticed it. We went to watch a basketball game at our daughter's high school. Uh, Molly's daughters go there and and Phoebe's there and we just suddenly looked at each other and we're like, we could probably take off our shirts right now and no one would even notice because we're invisible.
3: Except, <laughs> except your mortified team, right? Yeah, Those right. are the only ones who do not find us un- invisible because everything we <laughs> do is noticed by them. So right, right. in the public, right? Right,
2: yeah. right, right. <laughs> so uh yeah, so uh, so I went to the concert by myself and I love it because they have a downstairs where you can get a drink. It's not expensive. I got a can of cider, hard cider for $5, best bargain in town. And um, and so there were two warm-up acts. And so I pulled out my iPhone and read the New York Times online while I waited. For... <laughs> I was like just going full on like, I am who I am. And I'm going to read the New York Times while I wait. And um, so, great. Um, so then head on upstairs a couple minutes before um Betty Who goes on oh because they also show a list of when the when the performers are going to start like when the okay. artists are going to go on I'm like this is my kind of show like it said you know Betty Who 10:15 p.m. I'm like okay I can do this I can wait until 10:15 yeah. Oh oh my gosh she was so fantastic the dancing and just the thing that I love about going to a concert is when do you ever just move your body exactly like you want? Wave your, you know, shake your arm, shake your arms in the air, you know, move your money maker, you know, <laughs> like just. You just
3: don't care.
2: <laughs> exactly, exactly, and just, uh, just it was such a jubilant experience, and I just love being filled with that feeling. And um, yeah, and, you. thank you, and having two cans of cider definitely helped um, enhance that <laughs> feeling. <laughs> <laughs>
3: and then the then the concert. I have, I have a very big question. Yes. After your very late night last night, did you get up and run? This did morning? I work
2: out exactly? So no, I rearranged my workout schedule so that typically Friday is my day off, and mm-hmm. and I usually run on Wednesdays. And I'm like, nope, Wednesday is going to be the new day off this week. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So and then I was pretty amped up when I got home. So I got home at 11:45, uh, and I didn't um, go to bed till 12:30 wow yeah 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 yeah. and i feel i feel great today so and oh oh my gosh it was just uh, so if you haven't checked out betty who people and you like dance music like there's this one song beautiful and it is such an anthem for just accepting your body and feeling fabulous about yourself it is i just love it it is a message we all need to hear and remind ourselves of so yes yes so um Anyway, uh, the, the oddly enough, I'm not feeling tired, uh, which kind of uh, leads in um, sort of to our topic. This show is called The Down on Feeling Rundown. And uh, I have wanted to tackle this topic for a year plus. And um, so I was delighted when I found our guest, uh, Lisa Corbin, MD, a professor of clinical practice in internal medicine at University of Colorado School of Medicine, In addition, Dr. Corbin is a mother runner who also hikes and does high-intensity interval training. After this brief break, we're going to talk about things that might be zapping your energy and what you can do to feel peppy again. Stay tuned.
0: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
1: Imagine a place of your own in your name, a place where all your stuff is, where there's a dinner table and a family around it. Virginia housing makes it possible for thousands across the Commonwealth, with our special home ownership programs, including loans, grants, and free classes. Because when we help people buy homes, their communities thrive. Click to learn more about Virginia housing and see how home helps everyone.
2: Welcome, Dr. Corbin. Is it okay if we call you Lisa?
4: You absolutely can.
2: Very good. Very good. So, Lisa, tell us about your athletic life. Um, in a race photo you sent... Uh, It's you looking all crazy eyed and about an inch from the professional photographer. um, I think it was one of the worst, best
4: race photos or best, worst race photos I've ever seen. Yeah. And there's a story to that one. So that was about mile 12 of the half marathon. I don't remember which one in Denver. And my best friend came out to cheer me and she brought her best friend from med school, just who was visiting in the the gal who was visiting, who I'd never met before, took that picture and posted it on Facebook. <laughs>
5: <It's> <laughs> I'm like, well, this
4: is a good start. Yeah, yeah. So I think I just happened to trip as she was taking the picture. And of course, my face is bright red because it always is. Uh-huh. So it matched my shirt. And uh-huh. and I couldn't believe she posted that. I'm like,
2: really? But, it almost, um, the look on your face is almost so kind of googly, crazy. It almost looks like an emoji. Like it's like a real yeah. life emoji. <laughs>
4: And unfortunately, my baseline look is pretty similar. So,
2: yeah,
4: no, no, no. no. So I'm like, well, that is me. So, okay, you can post it. Yep. So, Mike, it's
2: when I uh, sent your photo. Fo- that you sent. You were very kind enough to send along a lot of photos, and I send them on to the designer who puts together our collages that we promote the podcast with. And I'm like, make sure you use her professional headshot in each collage that you make. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's, get, let's It's a nice balance. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So, all right. So, in the um, intro to you, I said that you do high intensity interval training. So what, what hit workouts do you do? They seem to be all the rage these days. Yeah. So
4: I'm one of those orange theory Mm. people. So Mm. I love it. And I must say, I think it really, really helped my running. Mm. So when I was 2016, which sounds like a long time ago, just last or two years ago, a year Mm -hmm. and a half or whatever, I decided to run a bunch of half marathons and the only training I did was a long run on the weekends and the rest of it was at the Orange Theory during the week. And wow. I think I got faster. I felt great. Yeah. And so. you didn't have
2: incredible soreness after the long run because you would put
4: in what, like two, three miles a couple times a week? during the week. Well, yeah, so so I was doing orange theory. I still do orange theory four times a week and I was oh, just okay. looking at the treadmill this morning and so a typical orange theory I'll run between yeah, 2 and 3 miles mm-hmm. a few times a week and then when I was training for the half marathons on the weekends I would go run at least 10 miles
5: mm-hmm. and
4: feel fine. So I just kind of kept that up over the summer and then I'd run 13 when a race came along and yeah. and uh, so it was good. But I think, unfortunately, I think I kind of burned myself out a little bit on the racing um, because then I'm like, okay, I need to take some time off and then I'll run again once I hit 50 because my goal was when I hit 50, I could be the youngest in my age group again. And I thought (laughs) that'd be awesome and maybe make me feel better about myself. Uh And so, but then 50 came and went (laughs) and I have not run anything more than a 5K since 2016. Okay. But uh, I'll get back there. If my knee will cooperate, I'll get back there.
2: Well, and you live in Denver. So, I mean, that's a tough, um,
4: you know, you got some strong competitors against you out there. Yeah. And I'm not totally competitive, but I do like to do better than I did before. And, Uh you know, and then just to have that little boost of age. I mean, who else gets excited about turning 50? But I guess a lot of people (laughs) listening to anytime you turn a number that ends in a five or a zero, you're Mm -hmm. like, yes, I'm in the lowest Mm -hmm. age category again. (laughs) I'm the youngest in my group. Yeah. (laughs) Have you done that? Oh, yeah.
2: Oh, for sure. For sure. For sure. And I've used age to my advantage in qualifying for Boston, because my birthday's in March, and you, you quote, only need to hit the time that you'll, uh, for the age, you'll be on race day. So uh, 18 months before that, I can qualify. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to use that cushion. Thanks, mom and dad for that March birthday. (laughs) Yeah.
3: (laughs) Yep. Nice. So tell us a little bit about your kids. How old are they? And uh, it looks like you spend some time hiking with them
4: yep so my oldest will be twenty two next week, and what? she's graduating from University of Oregon, so oh, shout out nice. to Oregon, yeah yep, yep. Mm-hmm. yeah, and so I'll be in your neck of the woods. Nice. um and then the next one's a freshman at University of Colorado um here in Boulder or in Boulder, and mm-hmm. she is nineteen and then the third's a junior in high school, and she's sixteen, so three girls oh. and yeah, especially my Oregon daughter loves, loves, loves backpacking. So we did a uh, like a five-day backpack up in Washington State last year. That was really fantastic. Oh, and then I think this is the summer to get the younger two out backpacking, but definitely they enjoy hiking. And I've got the middle daughter doing high-intensity, the Orange Theory, with oh. me. And uh, yeah, so nice. lots of fun. Does she do that? Do you all do that
2: before school or well, what so she
4: just, in? when she comes home on the weekends, we'll do it now that she's at Boulder and she's done it up there a couple of times oh, okay,
2: okay, on nice. her own,
4: but yeah, so we're about an hour away.
2: Nice. Nice. So, all right. So it sounds like your daughters uh, don't suffer from feeling run down, but um, yeah. uh, uh, how common is it to have athletically inclined patients who complain about feeling run down? And uh, for people who are listening, like at what point should
4: people be heading to see their doctor about um, low energy? Yeah, so I think it's it's hard to to say for sure when to go see the doc about it because I think it's kind of natural. I'm sure you guys have experienced it. I've experienced it just maybe a week or a couple of weeks of feeling off and feeling and it always seems like just about the time I start to think, "Okay, this is a significant decline from how I, I really should be feeling, then it seems to get better. Or I'll start, I'll make some minor adjustments and and then things will improve. So I think, you know, if it's been going on for a while, if other people are commenting on it, like, mm. wow, you really seem like your pep is down. Um, so other people are noticing it. Or certainly if there's more than just fatigue going on. So if you're, you're fatigued, but you're also... Gaining weight or you're also constipated or your mood's bad or or your chest hurts, you know, for goodness mm-hmm. sake. Um, mm-hmm. So if there's other things going on besides just feeling a little run down, I think always worth a check in with your doc.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. Lisa, let's explore many of the reasons mother runners could be feeling run down and that's poor sleep. We all know new moms have interrupted sleep cycles due to babies needing to be fed. And then there at the other end of the spectrum, we've got perimenopausal and menopausal women who have their nights interrupted by frequent wakings and long periods of sleeplessness what should we be doing to get more shut eye
4: yeah, so I think you know sleep and exercise are definitely related too, and they kind of feed off of each other because everybody is familiar with exercise being good to help sleep, and then of course, so if you're not sleeping well, then it, it sort of lowers your motivation to to get out and go exercise. Mm-hmm. But I think um, there's definitely a lot of things that people can do to improve their sleep. So not a whole lot you can do about the baby aspect. I mean, you're <laughs> going to have to feed them and get up and change them and things like that. But um, everybody will get through that eventually. Like I said, my daughter are 16 and up. And for the most part, they don't wake me up at night anymore. (laughs) Um, And so that will pass. And then similarly for menopausal sleep symptoms, that that would be a good reason to see your doc and get some good ideas, some of the medication, some of them non-medication, things that can help people with that perimenopause and menopausal transition. But I think in general, when I'm talking to people about sleep, it's one of my favorite areas to talk to everybody about because I think sleep is so key for how you feel, not just fatigue, but pretty much every other aspect of your life. And poor sleep is linked to other diseases too. So I think if you're having trouble sleeping, some of the things that can help are setting a consistent bedtime. So I heard that uh, Sarah was (laughs) out partying (laughs) late last night. So her bedtime was not consistent, but perhaps- Mm-hmm. She doesn't have problems sleeping. So, you know, if you don't have problems sleeping, it really doesn't matter. But if you're having problems sleeping, trying to, to set a consistent time to go to bed and a consistent time to wake up, even if it's the weekends, um, can be really helpful. And then you want to kind of train your brain that the bed is for sleep and sex only. So no reading in bed, no using your iPads in bed, um, going to bed, going to sleep, getting out of bed. And certainly if you wake up in the middle of the night, going to some other room, if you're not, if you're not going to fall asleep right away way, kind of getting out of bed, going to another room, um, doing something non-stimulating. So no Stephen King novels, um, (laughs) don't check in on Facebook, but just reading something boring until you get sleepy and go back to bed. And so you kind of train your brain. Um, and then I think one thing that is, um, Is common for people that disrupt sleep is alcohol. Mm -hmm. So alcohol is fantastic at putting people to sleep, but it gets metabolized. And in the middle of the night you wake up because it's metabolized into stimulating compounds.
5: Mm.
4: And so you wake up at two in the morning, you're just wide awake and you're like, dang it. So, If that's an issue, I mean, everybody's got their set point. Some people, it's two glasses of wine and that's going to happen. Other people could drink more than that. Or some people, just a glass of wine is going to interrupt their sleep or, or other beverage of choice. Uh-huh. Um, and I think everybody's aware of caffeine. So, But I think even if you could drink two shots of espresso and go right to bed in college as you age... You can't, you know, maybe even the caffeine in the morning is going to affect you. So being mindful of that and trying to perhaps wean back on caffeine or at least avoid it afternoon is, can be a helpful thing. And then if you're significant, if you're still having, you know, trying all these, what I call grandmother tips and you know, what grandma would tell you, and also make sure your room's comfortable and it's not too loud and so on and so forth. So you tried all those tips. Um, there's a couple of resources. So one is a website called sleepeducation.org. Mm-hmm. So that's the American Academy of Sleep Medicine and they've got great resources on there and they'll help people sort of check, hey, let's make sure you don't have sleep apnea, restless legs syndrome, some other sleep disorder mm. that needs to be treated differently. Um, and then there's there's tapes and we're well, not tapes, there's recordings you can <laughs> download like um, to help you relax and relaxation strategies and all kinds of resources. Oh, and great. then certainly, so you're trying all the stuff, not helping see your doc. And then there are things you can do do that are meds and not meds and the not meds thing you could uh, try acupuncture you can try massage and the medications they're the only one over the counter um, that I think is worth trying is melatonin mm-hmm valerian can be dangerous to your liver and it's more like valium so i'd avoid Mm -hmm. that one but melatonin may be worth a try um actually benadryl so over-the-counter antihistamine perhaps but any sleep medications especially then once you get into the prescriptions short-term kind of to reset the system long-term use has got a lot of downsides Mm
2: -hmm, mm -hmm.
4: so that may be more than you wanted to know about sleep but i'm passionate about sleep
2: yeah (laughs) yeah um so so how is it that some gals seem to be able to like get by on like five, six hours of sleep, you know, for nights on end or, you know, their whole life. And then while others struggle with, with when they get eight hours of sleep, like, um, you know, if someone's able to function on little sleep, you know, like I know Martha Stewart's famous for like getting, you know, like two and a half hours of sleep or something. Like, sh- yeah. should people just accept that
4: or, or are they doing their body a disservice by... Um, no i think if you can function on five hours of sleep more power to you and please come clean my house and, and do my laundry <laughs> if you're bored because you have so much extra time in the day that the rest right. of us mortals right. don't have right. yeah are is there enough netflix to watch if you only sleep five yeah. hours a night <laughs> I, no that's just no i think it's fantastic so the 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 question about how much sleep should I get is answered by how do you feel. So if you're nodding off during the day, you're not getting enough sleep. And if you are not and you feel energetic, then you're getting enough sleep. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, good.
2: It seems so little is understood about sleep that that I sometimes think like, oh, well, you know, they, they say you're supposed to get eight or more hours of sleep a night and, you know, I don't know i I oftentimes that's the
4: average yeah adults 8.1 hours of sleep is average but that's just an average so there's a bell curve yeah Yeah.
3: okay good yeah good good interesting so now let's move on to overtraining um besides injury what are other signs of overtraining and um doesn't necessarily only happen to endurance athletes putting in 75 mile weeks is that correct
4: Yeah. So, so overtraining, I think is an interesting concept. And to me, it can be kind of hard to differentiate from, from things like depression would be the thing Mm -hmm. that would come right to mind. Cause a lot of times with overtraining, it's not just a physical exhaustion, but it's kind of a mental or an emotional exhaustion Mm -hmm. too. And so I think some of the signs and you're right, it doesn't have to be in, you know, high powered endurance athletes, but, um, You know, we're all, we who like to run and who are addicted to exercise, we all think, okay, if some is good, more is better, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. you know, your body needs some time to, to recover in between, um, in times when you exercise and that's where all the the gains are made. So if you, you do a little damage every time you exercise, but in your body's repair of that damage, that's what makes you stronger and and helps your endurance and helps your performance overall. So you have to allow for that rest time. And I think so if, if somebody comes to me and they're exercising a lot and and I'm suspecting that maybe it's that they're actually overtraining, um, then I will usually refer them to a sports medicine specialist, somebody Mm. who can really get into the weeds and perhaps do some, some metabolic assessments with them or, or a a further discussion to decide if overtraining might be part of the puzzle. Hmm. 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 So, but I think, you know, one thing I was talking, I'm, fortunate enough to work right with every day with a dietitian here, who's also an exercise physiologist. And, <laughs> and so she was um, she was mentioning, one of the patients we shared just the other day, she's like, yeah, I asked her after her day off, how does she feel about running the next day? Is she really jazzed for it and excited? And the answer was yes. So she's like, that's a good sign. So if you are not feeling jazzed and excited about doing your run,
5: mm-hmm. then
4: that could be a sign of overtraining too. But again, it could also be depression. And so depression is one of the most common causes of fatigue in general. Mm. So I think it's it's worth being mindful of too in its own right.
2: Mm-hmm. Well so let's take a a side journey then on that on um depression you know because i think so many moms kind of get introduced to depression uh postpartum but then yeah. um so talk to us a little bit about how how depression can lead, you know so
4: often lead to feeling run down. Yeah so it's it's one of the most common signs that people see with depression is just fatigue. It's just, ah. And it's also your, I mean, your get up and go has got up and went, but you also lose interest in doing things. So your friend calls you and says, let's go see Betty who, and you go, eh, you know, so (laughs) given your discussion, I think Sarah, if your friend asks you for to a Betty who concert and you are like, eh, we might have to worry about depression. So, Yeah. yeah. So if things that are normally fun for you, you're just not interested in, if you're more tired, sleeping more than usual, or also sometimes depression can make, it really hard for people to sleep, especially kind of telling is people who, who go to sleep fine, but they just wake up early in the morning and they can't go back to sleep. That's like one of the cardinal sleep issues with depression. And then appetite tends to change too. So people will undereat or they'll overeat. Um, and then certainly people may have Thoughts of hey, what's the point? Life's not worth living, and that's you know getting a little more serious for mm-hmm. sure.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: But um, sometimes it, it can be a little subtle, and fatigue is the the main symptom. And so we've got some screening tools that we use in practice where we go through and ask people a little bit more about sleep and and mood and, and their interest level and things, and that can help us um, think about hey, you know, it looks like you may have some depression going on.
2: Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. Um, I'm intrigued by the, you saying that, that, so waking up before the alarm, like, you know, so like, let's say your alarm set for five 30 to go for a run. Are you saying that, that particularly waking up at three and not being yeah. able to, to sleep. That's, that's a hallmark of depression. That,
4: that can be. I mean, mm-hmm. there's lots of other reasons. Alcohol would be one of them too. And then if you just have a lot of stress going on, you might not, it may be stress and not depression. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's tends to be the kind of sleep issues. Either people sleep too much or they have trouble sleeping And the sort of the hallmark is that early morning awakening. <sighs> but I'd say, you know, if you're waking up, 15 minutes before your alarm, that's right. maybe sure. because you're so habituated to it because you're doing a great job of setting your consistent bedtimes and getting up and you're getting enough sleep. So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want people to go, oh, my God, I'm depressed because I woke up 15 right. minutes early. Right. It's not just that, but that's kind of the hallmark as far as sleep goes.
2: Yeah, and yeah. now I feel like people who wake up, you know, like, 45 minutes before their alarm. Now they'll be thinking about this from the podcast and then start fretting about it. It'll be a dreadful cycle. So um, Yes, and then they become depressed because right. they are worried they're depressed. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's <laughs> like a hall of mirrors. Uh, um, all right, so now let's shift to the impetus of this show, um, anemia. Um, mm-hmm. So so last year I got turned away from donating blood because of low iron levels, which kind of surprised me. And mm-hmm. um, after that incident, it seemed like, every mother runner I talked to, uh, from Dimity to Amanda to my running partner, Molly, all told me that um, she was anemic. And so can you please talk about the different types of anemia that that it's not all iron deficiency? Is that correct?
4: Yeah. And I would, you're spot on. I think anemia is really common, especially in women because we lose, most of us lose blood every month so that we and some of us lose blood because we go donate it, and and so anemia, so iron deficiency, is super common for sure. But um, my one of my running partners told me how she was diagnosed with anemia uh, due to B twelve deficiency, oh. and you know that can be a nutrition thing, but it can also be an autoimmune thing too if your body is unable to absorb b12 um normally so Hmm. so that's i'd say iron deficiency far and away the most common cause but there are other causes too like b12 deficiency other nutrition problems and you know some other medical conditions can cause anemia but they're much less common Mm -hmm. so i think for sure if you're like we talked about at the beginning if you're feeling fatigued more than usual um and and this is definitely new and different for you and it's lasting um definitely get, getting checked for anemia and, and a couple other medical conditions is you know worth a visit to the doc. Um, and iron deficiency with blood donation is pretty common too. I've had that experience too, where I've been turned away and I'm like, what? Mm-hmm, and uh, mm-hmm. iron deficiency is, you can gradually over time become iron deficient, even if you eat meat and, and that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. um, worth being aware of
2: do you have any over the counter supplements that you could suggest cuz i i definitely found that taking a women's multivitamin seemed to set me on the right course but i was just talking to yeah. um my midwife and she recommends something called blood building blood builder
4: Oh, I don't know about that supplement. Um, I'd say that I just go straight for what's the problem, fix the problem. So if it's iron deficiency, take iron. Um, It's really safe and interesting studies. We used to sort of think, oh, let's see. Iron can be tough for people to take. It can make people have diarrhea or constipation, Um, sometimes their stomach upset. And so, but we would say, well, take try to take it three times a day because then you're getting a lot of iron. And if you can't tolerate that, then two times a day. And if that's not enough, you know, if you can't tolerate that once a day, somebody just came out with a study and they found that iron is better absorbed if you take it every other day. So so you actually wind up with higher levels of blood iron if you take it every other day versus once a day or twice a day or three times a day. So I think there's a lot more people out there now probably who think they can't tolerate iron who actually probably could. Oh, huh. And so it's just ferrous sulfate. Mm-hmm. It's usually 325 milligrams, and you can get it over the counter um, and take try taking it every other day. And a strategy that I've adopted, because I do like to donate blood, um, is to take it for about a week before I donate blood and about a week after I donate blood and mm. then call it good.
2: Okay, good, <laughs> good to know. And you said uh, 325 milligrams, or what was the...
4: Yep, that's yeah. Three three twenty five is the most typical dose of ferrous sulfate, which is iron.
3: Okay,
4: good to know. Good.
3: Well, I'm I'm one of those people that I mean I think I've been able to donate blood maybe once in my life when I was eighteen, and then Mm -hmm. after that I've I've always been turned away. And um, you know over the years I've tried just about everything including, you know, having my doctor send me to a hematologist, having iron infusions, nothing worked, nothing, nothing brought it back up. Um, There was a little speculation that it was maybe runner's anemia um, and also speculation that it's just a genetic baseline. I, I don't know. What are your, what are your thoughts on that?
4: Yeah, I've got no thoughts on that. Because <laughs> I think, you know, somebody, if I were taking care of you and, and oral iron wasn't working, I would give you IV iron. And if that wasn't working, I'd send you to the hematologist. And so if the hematologist couldn't figure it out, you're above my pay grade. All right. Yeah. So, so, yeah. Always so I wish even... I could. Yeah. yeah. Isn't it, doesn't it feel great to be an interesting case? Everybody loves <laughs> an interesting case. So, yeah. And, and I, somewhat related, but I also want to point out if even if you're not anemic, you can still be iron deficient. Oh, and nice. and um, so if you see your doctor about fatigue and they they do the blood counts to look for anemia, so they're going to look at your red blood cell counts, your hemoglobin, your hematocrit, ask them to check a ferritin test too. So that's the body's storage form of iron. Because mm-hmm. you can be low in ferritin and feeling the effects of that even before it winds up causing anemia, which is a little bit of a later manifestation of low iron.
2: Well, okay. I'm, I'm glad you clarified that because some people on our Facebook page were asking about is low ferritin the same as anemia. So,
4: Yeah, so no, it's precursor, but you mm-hmm. can have both of them. But first you develop the low ferritin and then the anemia develops, but you can still be tired if your ferritin's low.
2: Okay. Um. So, and Amanda mentioned runners' anemia. Is that is that really a thing? And like, if so, <laughs> what is it, and how does it differ from regular anemia? If Amanda said it, it has to be true. <laughs> <That's> that, that,
4: <laughs> next question. Go on, Amanda.
2: Yes.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I so I definitely take care of athletic people and take care of athletes, but um, haven't run into somebody who's had anemia that we couldn't figure out and then I'm guessing it's probably a diagnosis of exclusion but I would I would have to defer us to a hematologist on that one okay
3: all right hmm. okay yeah I think um, what he was saying it's, it's something that's actually fairly common in uh, new military recruits as well mm. and it's something- you know, it's something to do with the, the, the pounding on the ground that that kind oh, of, you know,
4: yeah.
3: red blood cells. So, yes,
4: hemolysis. Oh, now this is coming back from med school. Yeah.
2: <laughs> no, I could, I could, I think I saw the light bulb that went off in your head there, Lisa. Right? <laughs> yes, it did. It was ding. You might have heard that. It
4: wasn't the text I just got. It was.
3: The light yeah. Um, no, that is a thing. Yeah.
4: Look In, at that. It's like March, March anemia or right,
3: something. Right. They call it anemia. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Wow.
4: Whoa. Yeah. Way back. <laughs> just went way back machine. Yeah. Because <laughs> you know how old I am. I graduated from med school like 26 years ago. Oh my goodness.
2: Oh my <laughs> goodness. All right. All right. So well, let's, let's move on to hyperthyroidism. Um, Cause we got some questions about that on our Facebook page as well. Um, how does hyperthyroidism impact your energy levels for running and, um, To people, it seems like some people, even who are on meds to, uh, you know, control their hyperthyroidism, which is a hard word to say, man. Um, (laughs) It it sounds like maybe it um, can they can still feel the effects of it as active people.
4: Yeah. So I'd say the most common way that the thyroid makes people fatigued is when it's underactive and that's called hypothyroidism. That's, that was the word
2: I was trying to say. Okay.
4: Okay. Yeah. But it's you know so, and hypothyroidism is much more common than hyperthyroidism, which is overactive thyroid. So overactive thyroid, people tend to feel nervous and jittery and shaky and they lose weight and, and that can make people feel tired, especially elderly folks will get tired even though their thyroid is overactive, but far and far away, it's the hypothyroidism. Okay. And hypothyroidism is pretty common. And so if you're seeing your doctor about fatigue, in addition to the blood tests and talking about sleep and depression, the blood tests for blood counts and the ferritin, I think getting a thyroid check is something that um, absolutely should be, should be done. And typically when people have low thyroid, it's not just that they're tired, but oftentimes they are noticing weight gain, hair loss, uh, constipation, dry skin. And of course, all those things are super common anyway. You know How many of your friends have remarked, at least at some point in their life, that they're losing hair or they're gaining weight and they don't know why or they're a little constipated? I mean, these things are super common. So it's a lot of times when you have this constellation of symptoms, it's not the thyroid, but you definitely want to check the thyroid because if your thyroid is underactive, you can take thyroid hormone just like your body makes Mm -hmm. and get it right back to normal. Um, And it's really an interesting question about once your thyroid is treated and your TSH levels are back to normal – and you're still fatigued, is it still your thyroid? And Mm. it used to be that endocrinologist would sort of poo-poo that. And they said, Hey, you're tired. Like everybody is tired. You know, it's no longer your thyroid. Thanks, Doc. (laughs) Right. Like I'm tired too. My thyroid's fine. Move on next patient. But there's actually some research that's starting to be done now. And they're saying, Hey, you know, people with autoimmune thyroid conditions, which is the most common cause of hypothyroidism, these folks tend to be tired even once their thyroid is corrected. Some of Mm. them, not everybody. And So maybe, and maybe more than the general population. So maybe there is something due to the immune process underlying that is making people tired even though the thyroid itself is corrected. So I think, you know, watch this space. Maybe we'll have some more interesting information on um, thyroid-related fatigue that isn't just the thyroid being underactive. hmm, hmm. (laughs) Interesting. So right now, yeah, it's just speculation. There's really nothing to do about it. I've had in in my past lives um, a a foot in the alternative medicine world as well as a foot in the conventional medicine world. And and I know a lot of folks in the alternative world will work with people giving them large doses of supplements or other things to try to improve antibody levels Mm. in thyroid disease. But there have been no studies to show that that's a helpful approach. But I hope there will be some studies and we can give people some other ideas when fatigue continues to bother them after the thyroid is normal.
2: Mm -hmm. Hmm. Okay. So, so you talking about supplements that, um, makes me think of, um, vitamins. Um, Mm -hmm. so let's spend a few minutes talking about vitamin deficiencies. So after my low iron level diagnosis at the red cross, so like I said, I started taking a multivitamin, um, despite kind of conflicting advice about taking one. Um, Mm -hmm. so I don't know whether it was the vitamins or the iron in the pill or the return of some sunlight to Portland, but, um, after, after a few weeks, I felt so much peppier. Yeah. so can vitamin deficiencies such as low levels of vitamin d or b12 have an adverse effect on energy levels
4: yes absolutely so b12 similar to the iron if your b12 is low even if you're not anemic yet Mm -hmm. um you will definitely feel tired and run down. So B12 is a big one and sort of for those of you making lists at home, put that on your list of things to ask your doctor to test you for. Mm-hmm. And then vitamin D, I would say falls into that category too, but vitamin D doesn't make you anemic when you're low on vitamin D. The 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 thing that we worry about most for low vitamin D is is poor bone health. Mm-hmm. Um and then muscle health too is important and immune function is important with vitamin D. Um, but definitely fatigue. I've seen patients who had extremely low levels of vitamin D and did feel just a hundred times better when they could have their levels back up to normal. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm also sort of on the plus minus side of a multivitamin. I tend to be more what's broken and fix that issue. Um, cause some of the studies with multivitamins have shown that they potentially might be more harmful than beneficial. Um, but it's it's such a it's just epidemiologic studies. It's not um, randomized controlled trials where you give you know half the group a multivitamin for for thirty years and see what happens. And probably <laughs> nobody's going to do that. So, and I think the risk is pretty darn small. So, like for you, Sarah, I think feeling great on the multivitamin is a good enough reason to keep taking it. And then for people who have been diagnosed with low B12 or low vitamin D, taking those to get those levels back up to normal is important. And then certainly if somebody, you know, as we were saying in the beginning, there's things you can try to see if you can pep yourself up. And if not, go see your doc. I think taking a multi and giving it a good six weeks. And Mm -hmm. of course, I wouldn't want somebody to be totally dragging around for six weeks before they saw somebody. But, you know, Mm -hmm. there's something you could give a try to. Mm
3: -hmm. Okay. Now, magnesium deficiency, that seems to be all the rage right now, or at least getting a lot of ink out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, is it really a concern? And, and how do you know and what do you do about it?
4: Yeah. So magnesium is, is one of the electrolytes um, and definitely something that can make people feel sluggish if, and make their muscles not work as well. Um If the magnesium is low, so definitely worth getting tested for, it's going to be much more common to have magnesium deficiency in people who are taking diuretics. So that would be probably not so many people who are listening to the show, but in in an older population. Mm -hmm. So things that can make you lose potassium, make you lose magnesium as well. Um, And similar for um, these other things we've been talking about, if your magnesium is low, you can take an over the counter magnesium supplement to replace it. Mm
3: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So it's straightforward. I think. And and is it something, I mean, is it something that comes in a normal annual blood screen when you have
4: that done or not typically. So of, of the things, and, and a lot of doctors have lots of different approaches to annual blood screens. So some are kind of hard lined on, let's just screen for the things we know where there's evidence. So we check your cholesterol every five years and, and uh, you know, call it good. And then other docs tend to be more comprehensive. And like for me, I'm, I'm, I lean a little bit on the more comprehensive side. Cause I think things like low thyroid are common and can, and everybody's got the symptoms. So I, I check for that every year. Um, but magnesium I'd want to be a little more directed for. So, so I'll check like a chemistry panel, but magnesium is not on that. So the chem panel will get your other electrolytes. It'll get your kidney function, your liver function, your calcium levels, but it doesn't check magnesium. So you have to ask for that separately, for example.
3: Okay. Hmm.
4: So hopefully people are getting their list going.
3: Mm. Yeah. I know
2: <laughs> um, So, all right. So uh, let's round this conversation out by um, uh, switching over to nutrition. So diet and nutrition have to be included in any discussion, I think, about low energy. And so, so, you know, all all of us who are runners know that not eating well the day before a long or hard run, uh, you know, can definitely turn a workout into a slog. But Mm -hmm. how can poor nutritional choices over an extended period of time affect overall energy?
4: Yeah. So I think you've, I mean, You've got to make sure you're getting in enough calories chronically. So calories, number one, just to keep up the level of sport that you're trying to achieve. So I think I think that's important. And I think the more serious you are about your running, the better it would be to talk to an, a sports nutritionist. Um, I mentioned this gal that I work with who's phenomenal. She's an athlete as well. Mm-hmm. So she counsels people who are... Um, athletes. And so the weekend warriors to the people who are more competitive, um, about nutrition. So I think speaking to somebody who, who, um, and getting a once or twice consult can be super helpful on making sure your diet is well-rounded, has all the proper nutrition, um, and is not lacking in any nutrients. And I can also, I can share my personal story on this one. So, I decided to do kind of a pretty restrictive diet just over the last month to see if I could make this arthritis in my knee go away. Oh, huh. uh-huh. And I've been walking around feeling so sluggish. I'm like, mm. well, how perfect? So I can have some empathy for the listeners. But,
5: <laughs> <laughs> I'm like well, I've just gone above it was and your, beyond your,
4: me- your method acting for the podcast. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I went above and beyond what you asked me to do. But I was like leaning up against the walls, going, "Holy cow, this is kind of crazy," and it's. Got to be what I'm eating or not eating. So I, I curbsided our dietitian, and she sort of ran through how much carbs I was getting in an average day. She's like, "You got to eat more starchy vegetables. Uh-huh. You know, you got to get your carbs up." And and I added a few potatoes in, and boom, all all better.
2: Oh my gosh, I, so, I, I have yeah. to tell you that. Um, I, I think I've told this story on the podcast before, but that um, when I was a freelance magazine magazine writer, I went on. Is it Atkins diet for mm-hmm. um, for two weeks for runner's world? I was like a guinea pig. And so, you know, amped up all the protein and had very low carbs and the exact same thing that you were talking oh, about. I mean, yeah. like I had to, you know, like, oh, my gosh, I remember after one seven mile run, which for me is um, You know, it's a, it's a nice effort, but it's not mm-hmm. usually something I get sidelined with. I mean, I honestly felt better after running the New York City Marathon than I did after wow. running that seven miles. I just was wow. like, wah, wah, wah. And just, yeah. I, I, you know, I took to my bed. I was like a Victorian woman, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I had the vapors practically. So yeah. um, so it does make such, such a difference. I think
4: the only other time I felt that tired was when I was pregnant. Mm. First trimester of pregnancy. Woo wee. Oh, oh, baby. So hard. <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, and so what about clean eating? How much of an impact does it really have? I mean, if, if you're eating well, say 85% of the time, is that just as effective or what are your recommendations there? I think
4: for anything that we recommend people do all the time, 85% is pretty much perfect.
3: Mm. Okay. Great.
4: So yeah, no, I, and, uh, And you don't want to be so wrapped up in your diet and so micromanaging, I think, that you aren't having fun, too. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Um, And then the other thing about diet to mention, of course, is hydration. And Mm. here in Denver, it's really dry, and everybody is walking around dehydrated. But it's amazing the difference drinking some extra water can make in terms of energy levels.
2: I know. Yeah, and and, I mean, I think so many things like that also that – you know, maybe you're not hungry, you're just thirsty. And so, you know, kind of start with, with drinking, you know, water or some noon or something like that. And that it, you know, can just really bing. like, particularly, I know, um, know the people at noon often suggest to, you know, around two or three in the afternoon when you kind of are hitting that post-lunch slump that, Mm -hmm. you know, drinking can, you know, make the difference. So sometimes I have to remember
4: that and be like, that's going to keep your electrolytes in check too. So mm -hmm. bonus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So okay, so how about um, a plant-based diet? Um, how important is animal protein in the energy supply chain?
4: I think they've done enough research now and kind of looked at it and had enough experience to say that it's okay to not eat meat, mm-hmm. and you can get the protein needs you, you you can get the protein you need through a vegetarian or vegan diet. Mm-hmm. So I think though it may be more challenging for people, and they may not be making the healthiest food choices in order to get the protein they need. Um, So it's another situation where I think if somebody is a a dedicated athlete, and that's super important to them, and they're a dedicated vegetarian, and that's super important to them, once Mm -hmm. or twice meeting with a sports nutritionist would be really worth it.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. Well, I have to say that... um, I'm still feeling very awake, even though I didn't go to bed till twelve thirty.
4: <laughs> All right, you get a gold star! Yay! So, yeah, so I don't you know. You must think, be doing everything else right. Oh, no, I don't know. Yeah, I, think, very I, think, fast. <laughs> I think I'm still
2: on think I'm still a little bit of a high from you know just the exhilaration of dancing in public. But thank you so much, uh, Lisa Dr. Corbin, for for joining us. You really um and this is, you covered everything I wanted to in this the lowdown on feeling run down. So thank you so
4: much. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to both of you. Great. And yes. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Great, great. Take care. Thanks. Bye.
2: So did you learn a few things there,
3: Amanda? Yeah, I mean, I think you know what her biggest message was again that we get hit over the head with, but everything in moderation. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I just, you know, I, I think there is there is a definite, you know, thread there. Um, mm-hmm. how we approach everything. Um, and and you know, get get what you need, but don't go overboard. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Good deal. All right. Well, let's hear what the ladies in the Train Like a Mother Club are up to.
6: Hi, everybody. Dimity here in Denver on a lovely day. It is about 1115 on a Wednesday and I have a date with myself at 1130. I need to leave for master swimming, even though I'm really Kind of not in the mood to get in the pool. I um, put it on my calendar, just like every good bammer does. Twelve to one is is our swim practice, and I will be there. But before I do that, I am going to head to our train like a mother club corner, which um, I want to first of all give you guys a heads up that three programs are starting um, and they're open for registration right now, and they all start on March nineteenth, which is a Monday. The first one is simply nourish like a mother. That is our. basic, but it's far from basic, but it's kind of the the ground laying nutrition program with Ellie Kempton where you learn about macronutrients and how to time your eating and you come out feeling like the bammer that you are. I've seen it happen again and again. So that is open right now. The second one that is open is Metabolic Reset, which is more focused on weight loss. We just did our first round um, with 10 women in um, January and February and it was amazing to see them go through the Metabolic Reset and figure out how to uncover what they already have in their bodies, which is a lot of strength and a lot of capability to um, to be the best woman and the best runner they can be. Um, so those two are open for registration. Check them out on trainlikeamother.club. And then the third one is... Um, of course, Heart Rate 101, which is kind of just a great, great program. It isn't kind of a great, great program. It is a super effective program. And here's, here's our um, corner for this week. It says um, it's from Kim, who just finished Heart Rate 101. She said, um, Kim, today was an emotional run for me, my last day of Heart Rate 101. And I was able to reflect on my experience over the last eight weeks. I'm pretty set in my ways, but decided to trust in this program as I was really floundering on the future of my running life. I must admit, initially, I had difficulty setting my ego aside and keeping to the program. I was frustrated with my pace and was used to doing way more with my workouts. But by the middle of week two, everything started to even out a bit and I was able to let go a little. As the weeks ticked by, I was able to go let go a little more, not just letting go of my pace and the way too intense workout routine, but also letting go of life's little curveballs and issues not in my control. Today I am humbled by this community and its commitment to empowering women and moms who want and need more out of life in addition to motherhood and families. In the words of Sia, my finishing song is I'm unstoppable today and every single day. Thank you, Coach MK, Dimity, and Sarah, and I can't wait to see what lies ahead. And she put a picture of two socks that say run strong on them. So that's a little heart rate 101 testimonial slash slam club corner. Um, just if, if that's something that's interesting to you to, to kind of slow down, take a breath, and learn to ease into your easy runs, heart rate 101 is a great fit. And there is a group starting, the eight-week program, The program runs from March 19th to May 13th. So it's eight weeks and it takes you right up to almost school getting out. So hopefully you'll join us there and we will see you next week. Have a great week, friends. Bye. All
2: right. Well, I'm so excited. Our new spring merch has just hit the Mother Runner store. Uh, we have three new tank tops, including one that makes me laugh. It borrows its graphic look from comic books, and it says putting the bam in bammer. And we also brought back the phrase "Mama but with a really great new look, as well as um, a slightly new tank top style. So it's very much um, the fit and feel of our other ones, but it just has a little extra something that has a nice trim on it. So we also have two sassy lifestyle tees, including a new color and design for one of our most popular proclamations i run things to check out these and all the other stuff and to shop go to motherrunnerstore.com again that's motherrunnerstore.com and i want to mention that um i got promoted i'm no longer the member of team amr filling orders a mom around the block from me took over those duties starting last week so um yeah, I just thought I should let people know because sometimes I would put, you know, little notes or whatever in there. And um, I feel kind of bad that I won't be doing that anymore. But um, it's given us some extra space here in the recording studio. (laughs) So our podcast today was produced in Portland, Oregon by Alex Ward from Sounds Like Pictures. Many happy, energetic miles.